it's a long process. There are good days and there are bad days. And it's really easy to, on a bad day, say, you know, like, oh, I just want to give up. It's a constant process. It's not a destination of like, oh, now I love myself. What was my line? Do I say this is part of Try this again. Hi, I'm Sheetal. And I'm Farheen. Every other week, we host a Smiley's with unique stories to tell. Welcome to Podvocative. Hello and welcome to, I've lost count, episode six, I seven. I think six of this season. Six of the season. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to episode six. We are so happy that you're here and we are so excited to have another episode. But before we get started, Farheen, I have a question for you. Do you know which country consumes the most chocolate per capita? Ooh, this is such a good question. Okay, well, I don't know why, but like literally as you were asking me this question, the word Belgium popped into my head. Maybe mm-hmm. Belgian chocolate. Okay, so Belgium is going to go Belgium, with my gut. That's a good answer. I feel like Americans just eat and overeat, so mm-hmm. maybe my guess would be the U.S. But Yeah, I would agree. I feel probably like somewhere in Europe. You're probably closer than i am maybe okay so the answer is switzerland swiss yeah swiss with swiss chocolate, chocolate. yeah swiss chocolate is a thing yeah but the swiss also love chocolate i remember when i visited with my family we went to like a chocolate factory that was a good question though <laughs> fun, that was a good- fun food related i always love those kinds of questions yeah <laughs> A sweeter note. Honestly. On a sweeter <laughs> note, we have a very sweet, very lovely guest, Ashna. We just have such a wonderful conversation with her. She's so raw and so open about some of the struggles she's had in the past with, you know, body acceptance, loving who she is, feeling comfortable in her own skin. And I feel like those struggles and challenges are so relatable no matter who you are. And I feel like it can be such a journey. And so we hear about Ashna's journey, about her path so it's definitely she said it's not a destination she's continually dedicated to being on this journey and to loving herself so i love it yeah agreed ashna makes a really great distinction in the episode between body positivity and body acceptance and that was a distinction that i hadn't heard before and i will let y'all hear how she explains it because she does it so well but i think that's something that we all could keep in mind So with that, we are going to jump in to today's episode. We hope y'all love it and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Ashna. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so thankful. If you want to start by telling us about yourself and your favorite type of plant. (laughs) Um, Well, hi, guys. My name is Ashna. And as you know, I am currently sheltering in place with my family in Birmingham, Alabama. But I am sort of based out of the Washington, D.C. area. That's where I work and just graduated with my MPH from. My favorite plant, I guess I would say, is an orchid. Does that count? It's a flower plant. Yeah. So an orchid. I love orchids. Cute. Orchids are very pretty. 
I'm with it. So thank you so much for being here today. You are obviously here to talk about something uh, that's not easy for a lot of people to address. So would you mind giving our listeners a high level overview of, you know, why we've had you on today and, and a background of your story? Yeah, I'm here to kind of talk about my journey to body acceptance, which is different from body positivity in my mind for several reasons. But body acceptance is basically you accepting your body for the way it is and you focusing on what your body can do rather than what your body lacks or when it doesn't look the way you think it needs to look or anything like that. So this can apply to just everyone, not just you know, young girls, but also men, anybody who feels like their body is not the ideal. There is no ideal. You just need to be happy and healthy and um, appreciate your body for keeping you alive and allowing you to do beautiful and amazing things every day. I love that so much. You mentioned that there's a difference between body positivity and acceptance. Can you tell us why sometimes body positivity isn't always the best message? Body positivity often is kind of associated with always loving your body and always being happy with your body. And that's not always possible. It's not always possible to always love your body and always be happy about it. Um, There are going to be days where you wake up with a breakout or where you wake up and somebody said something to you or you wake up and you're bloated or whatever's going on with you that day. And you're just not going to be happy with the way you look or the way you're feeling. And that's okay. It's completely okay to not like your body sometimes. It's okay to feel like that. But it's important to recognize that, yeah, I feel like this today, but this is not me. This isn't what defines me. This isn't how I'm act- how I actually am. And, you know, to kind of accept the flaws with the beautifulness that is your body. You know, I think before this conversation, I'd always heard body positivity, and I don't think I'd ever really heard body acceptance. And I think that's such a good point because no one, no matter what they look like, is always going to feel happy about their body. And positivity really implies that you should always look at it like, I'm amazing, instead of just acknowledging that sometimes you're not going to feel it. Um, So thank you for bringing that to our platform and teaching me something new. So, you know, kind of more broadly, why do you think this is an important topic to address, particularly within our own community? I think body issues and body dysmorphia and um, anything that goes along those topics can have a very detrimental effect on a person's mental health. And it can then bleed into other areas of their life, right? And for me personally, a lot of those body issues became evident with my anxiety and my depression. And a lot of those things can trigger my anxiety and my depression. And then that then affects, you know, my schooling, the way I am with my friends, the way I am with my family and my own personal achievements. You know, I start doing bad at work. I start doing bad at school. I withdraw. I'm rude. I'm irritable. All of that stuff kind of comes out. I think that's why it's so important to talk about it because there are so many issues that come around, especially in today's world with social media and, you know, constant messages that are being thrown at us from such a young age that our body needs to look a certain way or that we need to act a certain way or that we, you know, always need to be happy with ourselves. That's, that's not life. You know, you have to own every emotion you have. And if you don't, if, if it's not something you're able to do, then that's going to, you know, snowball into other effects and affect other parts of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So can you talk about how it was 
uh, when you were growing up? How did you feel about your body? Did this transform and evolve? And where did this journey start for you? Um, so when I was young, I definitely hated my body. I hated myself um, as an extension of hating my body. You know, I've always been a little bit big. I have curly hair where the you know the the perfect ideal is to have like this beautiful straight silky hair always broke out um i have pcos and so a lot of those issues come from me having pcos and so i just never was happy with myself i was never happy with my body i you know would wake up um i would always like straighten my hair i would always wear baggy clothes i would always wear a jacket over my clothes in attempts to hide myself um I started wearing makeup when I was really young. I started doing a lot of acne chemicals on my face when I was really young in attempts to kind of hide it and to and to really like change myself. And I think a lot of it came from the comments that I was hearing in Jamakana, in um, my own family, in social media, Facebook. Like I didn't grow up with Instagram, thank God. But um you know, just like talking with friends and stuff, it's just as bad, especially when it comes from someone you know, like at least in social media, you can kind of ignore it being like, oh, they're just an anonymous troll. But when your like own friends are saying something, that's a little bit harder to ignore. And so that's kind of how I grew up. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I sort of removed myself from all of those people, from um, sort of toxic people and from this environment where I was constantly getting these kinds of comments about myself. And I kind of looked at it and I said, if I feel like this, is it because of what I feel or is it because of what somebody's telling me I should feel or what somebody's telling me about myself? And I think once I figured that out and I had that switch in mentality of other people don't define me or like just because that person is saying that, that doesn't mean that my feelings are coming from inside me, but it's coming from outside of me. And once I was able to differentiate between that, I got to a place where I was able to start accepting my body for the way it was. You know, I no longer straighten my hair. I'm, I wear the clothes that I want to wear. I don't care. And it really did wonders for my confidence. It did wonders for my school. I have this amazing group of friends that I've never had before. I've never felt close to my friends, but now I have amazing friends. And, you know, I really feel like I am enjoying life in a way that I didn't do before. I guess kind of along those lines, like, could you dive into like how you felt within Smiley Spaces in particular? And did you feel accepted? And, you know, what was that like growing up and, and making friends? And if you weren't feeling confident, did people make you feel worse? Or did anyone make you feel comfortable? Yeah, I think um, Smiley Spaces are especially hard for me to kind of even to this day when I go to Jamaica and I, I have to like, prepare myself for those triggers because it, it is a lot you know something as simple as even having a varo in kane was very difficult for me because you have to get up and everyone's watching you get up and walk to the podium and have your varo and stuff like that so even something like that was like incredibly difficult for me i remember like wanting to do thesby varos just because everyone is getting up at the same time so they're not really watching you while you get up and that was just you know thinking about it today i'm just like why like that's so ridiculous in my mind but back then that's how i justified like i don't want people to see me and i, I need to like make sure i'm like covered up while i'm walking the, to the podium and i don't want anyone to see anything you know, just things like that just come up in Jamaica so often. You know, um, using I've had aunties like tell me to like pull down my dupatta while I'm sitting because my fat rolls are showing or whatever and like have to like cover up my arms and with my dupatta. I feel like there's just like this culture of like they can say anything they want and they do and that's 
kind of like the response that comes out of it. And it's ridiculous that in a place where everyone should be, you know, praying and should be peaceful and calm and connecting with whatever, whatever spiritual power they they believe in and in a space like that you're as an auntie you're not focusing on your own prayers but you're rather looking at me and what I'm doing and how I'm wearing my clothes and that's just kind of crazy to me I hated going to Jamaica and I avoided it as much as possible or I just started giving duty a lot where I wouldn't have to worry about my clothes or like how I was looking or what I was doing it just could blend into the background but yeah I think there are a lot of mentality of a lot of South Asians and a lot of Ismailis that kind of blends into how they interact with younger girls and stuff and then that again blends in with like now we're all thinking the same thing and so now people my age or my friends are doing the same things to me that older people are doing you know because they think that's right because they see their older people doing that yeah and so I think there's like a whole cycle that needs to be broken there that's so tough and I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that in a space that's supposed to be peaceful and instead it's like you had to really like it was mentally challenging and you know emotionally challenging in that vein what are some things that we can do to start breaking that cycle as a community what can listeners do what are some small steps that we can create a more accepting space yeah no thank you for that question i think it really starts with having these conversations with young people boys and girls because this is an issue that affects everyone. It's not something that just girls go through, right? And so I think having these conversations when they're young and telling them that, you know, there will be people who say stuff like this, but it's, you need to understand that that's their problem and not your problem. It's something that's coming externally to you and teaching young people to kind of harness that internal power that they all have, that we all have, is I think where it starts. Talk about it with your friends that you feel comfortable you know, a lot of times it can be something that they don't mean to do and it, it, it triggers you or it is not nice or like it's affecting the way you think about yourself. And so it's it's really important to say that and be like, you know, I, I you obviously don't mean to be like this, but when you say stuff like this or when you imply stuff like this, it affects me. And then, you know, bring, being those role models for the younger generation and doing the same for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think so much of the conversations we have around this and so much of the stuff people say in general may be like aggressive or microaggressive without people realizing it. Like, can you think of certain examples sort of to like tie this in of how we can all do better? Like certain examples of things people have said to you that was either just outwardly bullying or like microaggressive at the least that we could keep, you know, be mindful of? Yeah, I think the comment of like, oh, you have so much confidence for a big girl. I I feel like, I mean, I don't understand why my confidence level has to do with me being a big girl. I understand where they're coming from. You know, I know what they're trying to say. Like, they don't expect me to be this confident because I'm big and I'm not supposed to be confident about myself. Other things could be as simple as just assuming things about me, like assuming that I'm not a healthy person and giving me sort of like, oh, you're going to have diabetes. And I'm like, no, I go to the doctor. I'm okay. Or assuming that, I mean, I'm an avid dancer. I love dancing. And then just people, you know, assuming that I'm not going to be a good dancer or that I'm going to get tired while dancing or putting me sort of in the back of a performance just because they don't want to ruin the aesthetic of the dance, which is ridiculous. I mean, it can happen to anybody. You know, my examples are specific to being a big girl, being a plus-sized girl, but I'm sure that, like, there are other people who have their own issues of their own, like, parts of their body that they wish could be changed or that were, you know, micro 
aggressions towards them according to whatever they want to change about themselves. Yeah, completely. And I think you bring up such a good point. And I actually have a follow up question about this because I've seen a lot on social media recently about not calling women who post their imperfections brave. And I think now I've seen a lot of like, it's not brave for people to exist. It's not brave for people to have imperfections. You know what I mean? I kind of wanted to bring that up and see like what your thoughts are on this or like if you've seen this and how you feel about it. Yeah, no, I um, have seen that. And I completely agree with that because it isn't something special to just be a person, right? Like it's not like I'm being brave for having acne because everyone has acne. Like it's, it's a normal thing. It doesn't make me special. What makes me special is so many other things, you know, my passion to help people, my passion to dance, how like I love spending time with my family. Those things are what makes me me, not the fact that I have acne, because that's something that everyone has. You know, to go along with those lines, there's been a new trend in social media of like Instagram versus reality, where, um, you know, people are like, I, I can pose a certain way and my body looks perfect. But then I can just kind of slouch and all of a sudden I have fat rolls. And that's ridiculous too, because you're basically hiding your imperfections. Not everyone can do that. I can't pose a certain way to where I all of a sudden look super skinny, you know? And I think that's just as toxic as this toxic positivity or anything else. And I think they're all kind of reiterations of the same thing of like, oh, you're so brave to show that you're not perfect. Well, no, because everyone's not perfect. You're not really that brave. I was reading this book and I just wanted to like throw this line in here because it really stuck with me. But it was about like a plus size woman who was the star of a TV show. And she literally says like, you can't believe that I could be fat and happy and beautiful all at the same time. That really stuck with me. And I think people don't realize that like people can be happy in their skin, even if it doesn't look like what you think it should look like. Is just like random side note, is plus size by any means like microaggressive or offensive? Um, not to me. I think it it might be different for some people. I'm okay with that word because I've accepted it and I've accepted that. I am plus size and when I go shopping, I have to go look in the plus size. Like that's just me and I'm okay with it. Now there are probably some people out there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do have a problem with that word and don't like using that word. And that's completely fine. That's like how they have um, gone through their journey. And that's what that's their conclusion. For me, it's fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I just didn't want to be triggering by any means. So just let us know if at any point. Um, Thank you. So I know that you mentioned that you, you know, had a different perception of your body growing up. And then now you've come to fully accept it. And you know, you feel much more comfortable. Can you help us understand how you made that transition into feeling confident and comfortable and what can others do to get in that headspace and to fully accept themselves? Yeah, um, it's a super important process and question. I think the first thing I did was I started separating my feelings from internal and external. Every time I felt a certain way about myself, 
I asked if it was something that was coming from inside of me or if that feeling was because of what somebody else had said or done. I think that's the hardest part because it's really hard to explain to yourself that this is separate things. And I, to this day, still struggle with that. But I think it starts with that. It also starts with removing yourself and surrounding yourself with this amazing tribe of people so removing yourself from those toxic people removing yourself from people who are those people that are making these comments about you and then surrounding yourself with the right kind of people and the people that make you feel good about yourselves you know letting go of a lot of childhood friends it does take putting in the work and you know unfortunately letting go of these old friendships that you may have that are not positive and and i think lastly it also has to do a lot with social media and sort of removing yourself from all these um, toxic messages that you get on social media and your feed, you know, really looking at what you're looking at, who you're following and everything. And, you know, if they're not giving out those kind of messages that you want in your life every day, remove them, like stop following them. Surround yourself with all of this, all this positivity that makes you feel better about yourself. Again, it's not going to be possible to be positive every day, but at least when you're looking at your social media, on a bad day, you're not going to feel worse about yourself. You know, as you are journeying toward body acceptance and really understanding, you know, what that would take for you to get to this point, what were some things that made it harder? What were some challenges on this journey for you? Yeah, I think it's a it's figuring a lifetime of learning. So it's it's a long process. There are good days and there are bad days. And it's really easy to, on a bad day, say, you know, like, oh, I just want to give up. It's a constant process. It's not a destination of like, oh, now I love myself. I still have days where I'm just like, oh, I just, I don't want anyone to see me. I just kind of want to sit in my room all day. But it is, it's a process and you have to be okay with this process. And you have to be okay with the long journey that it is. And you have to be okay with, saying no to people saying no to those people in your life that are toxic and you know for a lot a lot of people that might be family members that might be really close friends and that's a really difficult thing to do but until you can get to a place where you can start blocking out those external energies block them out i can now you know spend time with my family or you know go to jamakana and stuff like that where i before all those comments would affect me now they kind of just sit out there and, and outside of my little bubble and i'm just like okay fine whatever and it doesn't affect me as deeply as it did before. I love that. And I love that you, you know, talk about this bubble because I feel like no matter like who you are, or what you're struggling with, I feel like everyone has that bubble of like those things that they get triggered from and they kind of like have to actively like um, be strong through. And so that's that's a really good way, I think, of thinking through it. So a follow up on that. You said that, you know, sometimes people that are saying some of these negative things can be so close to you and they can be, you know, family members, etc. How do you differentiate between someone who's well-intentioned and, you know, only means well and is your family, but then also like standing up for yourself and saying, well, no, I don't need that negative energy and I'm going to, you know, put my mental health first. I feel like growing up, we like look at our, you know, like our parents, our like aunties, uncles as like people who know everything and we want to be like them. There are role models. How do you kind of differentiate that line between like, I need to stand up for myself versus like, this person is my elder and I want to respect them. Yeah, no, I think that's really hard to do. I think it's a really difficult thing 
to do because we do kind of want to believe that all these older people or elders in our family or in Jamakana or wherever really are doing or saying whatever they're saying for our best and I used to believe that too that like you know when somebody told me that oh you know you need to lose weight because you're you're not gonna be healthy and I, I said well yeah like that's like kind of like yeah you know what you're right like I'm not gonna be healthy or like you know you need to look pretty when you go for a job interview because that's like a first impression and if you don't then you're not gonna get a job and stuff like that and I'm like well yeah like that makes sense but I think it makes sense because that's what we've been conditioned to think makes sense we've been conditioned to think that they are right because they are our elders or because it's what we've seen and again social media and tv and places around us and so then we we start believing their narrative and I think it comes to a point where you need to understand that you know they may be saying it for out of care and out of worry for you but they don't know everything and they aren't always right and you know sometimes it does come from their own sort of cycle of bias and that's what's coming out when they're making these comments at you and yeah completely and that I mean that actually uh, brings me to a question that I wanted to ask which I know that there is such a societal correlation association between size and like health or fitness. You know, what does that mean for you? And how is that harmful? In what ways has that manifested in your life? Yeah, it's it really is harmful because we start believing that only certain people can be truly healthy because of the way they look. And we know that's not true, right? When we think about anorexia and bulimia and we think about other kind of eating disorders and body dysmorphia, there are a lot of skinny people in the world who are going through some serious health issues and serious mental health issues as well. They need help just as badly as you may think a plus size girl needs help, you know? And I think that's so important to understand that, you know, weight doesn't just have one sort of reason behind it. You know, if there are so many different health disorders from thyroid problems to PCOS to a lot of other things that can cause, you know, a person to not be able to lose weight. But if they're eating right, they're staying active, you know, they're doing all the right things, then they're healthy. They're just, they just aren't skinny. They just don't look what you think a healthy person should look like and um i think it's important to kind of spread that message and let people know that like hey like you know fat people can be healthy yeah absolutely when did you realize that this was truly impacting your mental health did you ever consider seeing a specialist or mental health professional to help you through some of those challenging thoughts that you were having i think i always kind of knew it was impacting my mental health i was always sort of like a shy child um not really happy all the time you know like the way you kind of expect someone who's young and like doesn't have like adulting responsibilities on them and so i kind of probably always knew that there was something going on i like something wasn't right i want to say i just started getting actual like professional help in the last few years before that a lot of my help just because of this terrible like health insurance world that we live in I couldn't afford professional help and so what I was doing was using Google and using positive social media messages to kind of help me through this doing the research on my own rather than having a professional kind of help me through it which is harder to do when you don't have someone to talk to about it but I I did it and I think it's possible and it's hard but if you have access to somebody who can like a mental health professional who can help you through it definitely reach out to them I think it just all started with a question of like why am I sad all the time why am I mad all the time like what's going on with me and then from there it was really like oh like 
that's why that's what's going on and then now how can i work to overcome it and now i do work with a health professional like you know knock on wood times are better i can do that and it's just great to have someone to talk to someone to work the thing things out with you know this is touching on a lot of things that i think are just not talked about enough in general so you know mental health is another one how did you have this conversation with like your family or those close to you was that hard to bring up that like i'm struggling and i would love to see a professional about it and and get some help was that hard to bring up yeah it was it was difficult mostly because it's just such a foreign concept to south asian parents or i think really like any parent like anyone in the world it's not just something that's specific to south asians but i think it's just so much trauma and then parents sometimes feel or at least i feel like opening up to my parents would make it feel like it's their fault or like they did something wrong to make me you know end up to a place where I'm struggling like the way I am and so it was really hard for me to open up to them because I don't want them to feel like they did something wrong I don't want them to feel like this is their fault but sometimes when it just gets so bad and like the water is over your head and like you're you're going through all these emotions and when you're really going through this process you're going ups and downs like there are things happening and things coming out and you're gonna have those clashes with anyone around you of like, you know, when you're going, when you're understanding your emotions, a lot of stuff is going to come out and someone's going to notice. And I think my parents definitely noticed. And they're like, you know, what's going on? And so it was important for me to, at that point, just sit down and just like get it all out and just talk to them and just say everything. And I said, just let me talk. Don't ask me questions. Don't say anything. Don't be judgmental. Let me talk it out. And then, um, you know, you can yell, you can scream, you can ask questions, you can do whatever you want. That approach really helped me because I, I was just able to talk it out and then they kind of have some time to process everything and then they are now so much so much more understanding than I ever thought they would be they help me kind of have those mental health days where they're like you know what Ashna you need to go sit in your room for a while you just need to go calm down and then come back out um you just need some me time and I'm like you know what you're right like I do need some me time and I go in my room and I kind of have my time I know there are a lot of people out there who don't have parents who are going to be as understanding as mine and so that it's really important to make sure you're getting that support from somewhere else whether that be your friend professional etc. I love hearing that your parents were supportive and you know the the approach that you took I think is the best is like I need to talk and I need to tell you something and let me just finish before you know you share your thoughts and I think it's important for them to hear the whole story. I'm glad you could do that and I'm so glad they were responsive and accepting. On a lighter funner note do you want to share what does self-care now mean to you and how do you show yourself self-care and it and it doesn't have to be in the you know generic Instagram way that we normally think of it like what are some things that make you happy and that you do it could be like post-it notes you know whatever yeah so there's a couple of things I do one thing I did in a recent sort of depressive moment when I was feeling really low was create a vision board for myself it was just I created it on Canva and just printed it out it was super simple and I just had images of like things I want to accomplish, things I want my life to be more like, just yeah, just like random things that I just found really inspirational or really happy and made me made me feel joy about myself and about the world. And it's currently sitting on my wall next to my door. So I see it every time I leave my room. So it just it just brings a little bit of joy to my life. I'm also an introvert, which means that if I spend a lot of time with people, I need time to kind of recharge. Like I need some me time where I'm like just all by myself kind of shut down in my room. And so then I, you know, being home with 
parents, it's really hard to do because they really want you to like spend time with them, sit with them, eat with them, watch TV with them. And so I've gotten better at just articulating the fact that, oh, I need some time to just like go in my room and not be with you guys for like an hour. And, you know, I used to feel really guilty about that, but now I'm, I'm getting better at not feeling guilty and saying that like, I need to prioritize my mental health. And so I need to go in my room and I just need to shut down for a few minutes and recharge. And then I can come back out and spend even more time and even more quality time family rather than always being sort of mad and irritable with them. Such an important message, I think, because I think we sometimes forget that like people need space and it doesn't mean they don't want to be with us. And, you know, it's something that we could all be reminded of kind of along the lines of self-care or like accepting this more as a society, like in terms of social media. I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, do you think that like showing more diverse or like body diverse women on like, you know, modeling pages or in different ad campaigns, like, do you think that doing that more will make progress into, you know, changing society's perception of body image? Like, do you think the more we see it, the better we'll become? Or do you feel like that's not a viable solution? No, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction is to have more diversity and more representation in the media of the fact that bodies can look a lot of different way and everybody is a healthy body, right? But I think there's also a sense of like, it needs to have a realistic sense to it, right? Again, with the toxic positivity and the toxic body positivity, a lot of times when we see these women on TV, they're, they've already gone through the process and they are super like in love with themselves. They're so confident. They're walking around like, oh yeah, like I'm amazing. And I think that that sends a wrong message often where then people who look like that end up feeling worse about themselves because they're like, well, she's happy or he's happy. Why can't I be that happy? Like what's wrong with me that I can't feel that way about my body the way they feel that about their body. And I think that's really about anybody, you know, like any like normal or skinny girls or whatever, you know, the fact that they're always happy all the time and they're wearing their best clothes and they have like the designer bags and the sunglasses and stuff like that, that can make anybody feel like, oh, why can't I always be happy with myself? And that's not true. Like you need to show those vulnerable moments and you need to show those moments of, you know, sometimes it sucks to just be alive. But, you know, we keep going and we say, hey, I love my body today. I love it tomorrow. And I loved it yesterday. I love that so much. Uh, So just on that note, and to wrap up, is there anything that, you know, you wanted to share that maybe we didn't ask you? I just wanted to open the floor and this is your time to share whatever you want with the listeners. One advice I would give anyone listening or, you know, sort of going through this process themselves is start by reaching out and start by trying to surround yourself with these supportive people and a great friend group. And, you know, you're not alone. That's that's something I like about social media is the fact that we've realized that we're not alone in our feelings when we feel like this. And for all it's bad, it also has its good points. Just reach out, try to find people who feel like you. It's not something that you're going through alone and you shouldn't go through it alone. And so reach out, find find your tribe, find your people, do the work because it's it's a lot of work, but it has a lot of great payouts at the end. Thank you so, so, so much. I know I personally have learned so much from this conversation. Thank you for bringing to light difficult topics, you know, toxic positivity, body acceptance, things that I think we all could learn more about and and would serve each other well if we heard more perspectives like yours. So thank you so much for being here. We have just one more piece of this. Uh, It's called Rapid Fire. We will ask you 12 questions in the span of 90 seconds. 
Dream travel destination? Istanbul. Favorite app on your phone? Ooh, so Instagram. Talking or texting? Texting. Favorite ice cream flavor? Coffee. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be the woman you needed when you were younger. What's a word you use too much? Like. Biggest pet peeve? Blau chewing? Early bird or night owl? Night owl, so much. Go-to airport snack? Cheez-Its. Milk or cereal first? Cereal first. What song is your anthem? So many, but anything from Demi Lovato. <laughs> Favorite childhood TV show? Lizzie McGuire. Oh my gosh, under a, minute. under a minute. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Welcome back after our episode. We just love talking to Ashna. She was so great. And we hope you guys loved listening to her and hearing her story. She is just the absolute definition of resilience, which we have more resilient guests coming up in the next episode. We will be spotlighting someone who grew up with an older brother who was both blind and deaf and what that was like for him and for his family. We'll see you all for the episode next week. And um, thank you. Not next week. We'll see you all for the episode in two weeks. And until then, uh, we'll be having some fun stuff going on on our Instagram. We recently had a chef, Tarek. Thank you so much for spending your time answering all of our questions. I know I had so many questions for him too. So feel free to tune in for that and stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you as always. See you two weeks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.